Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And it's Peyton Jones. And Peyton has a petrol hedge trimmer going on behind him. <laughs> this is what happens when I spend time with uh, Ben Bisco, my intern, which, uh, hey, how do, I haven't even listened to that podcast. I don't even know what he said about Dude, me. Dude, he said working for Peyton is like a mistake <laughs> that he'll never make again. Yes. And, and he says, and if God loves me, he would never ask me to. And and so here's what happened. Peyton jumps on the line this morning and he goes, Can you hear the noise around me? I mean, it sounds like I got uh, a leaf blower going on. I got a petrol hedge trimmer. I'm like, a, a, a petrol hedge trimmer? What's a petrol hedge trimmer? <laughs> it's so funny, dude, because I was, I was with four dudes yesterday and Ben was one of them. And I, I dropped some term later on on the phone with, uh, with Bo Moffitt. And he started laughing. He's like, what was that? And I'm like, dude, I've been hanging out with Ben. It's all coming back, man. Because Ben's from Oxford, for those of you that don't know. So when I get around him, all the vocabulary changes. You know, you you, you live over in Britain. You got to say things like, you don't say your your oven. You say your cooker. You know? You <laughs> well, what's funny, too, is when you're you're really trying to connect with someone, from over there, you don't use full sentences either. You just kind of assume they understand where that sentence is going, and you just kind of drop it right in the middle. Right, I'm saying. exactly. I'm just saying. <coughs> but um, <clears throat> anyway, so here I am, and uh, as it, it's like a conspiracy theory. Pete and I say, hey, you know, Pete's like, hey, my family's coming in town. Can we move it earlier? Where, of course, I'm away next week camping. So Pete says, you know, hey. Uh, you want to you want to get a jump on it, so I go. Yeah, let's do it Friday morning. Oh, I gotta do it early. 
So when do we pick? The one time that the guy's going to be out with the leaf blower. I'm telling you. Every time a leaf blower sounds, a Church Planner podcast is being recorded. We've decided that. Like and, two or three episodes all, back. And we've also decided that leaf blowers are in league with Lucifer. It, it has to be. <laughs> it's like, it has to be. It's a conspiracy. I'm telling you. So what's new with you, man? <clears throat> in in the last two days since we last recorded our afternoon podcast. So, okay, so on on the, the call the other day, I talked about my Lego Voltron. However, I did not tell you about my Battle Cat Cringer ring, which... So what else is going on in your life? <laughs> I'm just saying. They, they had Pete, they had everything. They had, it was like an 80s explosion of jewelry. And I was like, I should have come out like Mr. T. I pity the fool. Or as the meme you sent me the other day with Mr. T with pool cleaning equipment, I pity the pool. That was the funniest <laughs> meme ever. I pity the pool. I pretty the pool. So, uh, you know, but <laughs> I always picture when, like, we say stuff like that. There's a there's a church planner somewhere out there drinking milk, and it's just totally shooting out his nose. Well, you know, you got to think about this. Like, the older you and I get, the less we have in common with this this next generation. Right? But Stranger Things is keeping us more relevant than we think we are. I don't know. I still haven't been able to go back to finish season two, so I could even go back to season three. Season two was so disappointing, but season three is worth getting through. You could actually almost skip season two. Yeah, but, but season I, I, three. I literally forgot what happened, so I had to go back and watch season one. I struggled through that. I got like two episodes into season two, and then I'm like, uh, maybe I'll do Breaking Bad again. <laughs> Well, like... it's it's so funny, dude. I know we're we're in a TV show law. We can't figure out for the life of us what to watch right now. But you know, it's funny because you know, when... it's a good one. Hmm. Yellowstone. I don't. I think you might have to pay. for I Prime. heard that was dynamite. Yeah, I heard that really was like good. the best show on TV. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I, I was going to say it's, though, the, it, the... it's uh, Melrose Place for <laughs> um, cowboys. That's that's Yellowstone. Oh, it's like Dallas. It. I told Jamie, I go, we're watching Dallas. You realize that? Like, I never yeah. thought I'd be watching Dallas. We're watching Dallas. Yeah, like 40 years later, you're watching Dallas. Yeah. That's the crazy thing about that. So, uh, JR was shot like, what, like 36, 37 years ago? No one, no, you guys have no idea what we're talking about. But I think But Strange, I still don't know who shot JR. Stranger Things, I believe, uh, they, they, I believe they even had like that whole who shot Jr. on one episode because that was like that was like a thing, dude. That was like that was as big as Josh Harris announcing too soon. So that that was, a, that was actually oh, the oh, I was like Josh, you mean from Deadliest Catch? That Josh Harris? <laughs> That's so funny, dude. I actually think uh, Josh Harris, which is going to be our topic today. Um, we want to talk a little bit about that whole phenomenon with with respect. Let me say that um, we're not going to jump on anybody's bandwagon, um, but we do want to talk about the elephant in the room. And uh, but but with respect to Josh, not not disrespecting this poor guy. And because uh, I I got some thoughts, I got thoughts, Fada. But uh, we're going to talk through that. So, but I did want to say, um, L from uh, Stranger Things, the girl that plays her. 
it, I, I watched the funniest clip where the, she was at Comic-Con with the guy that plays the sheriff. And she was saying, someone asked her a question. She's like, you have no idea how many things during this show I did not understand in the script. And I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> she was like, they had to give me a crash course in the 80s. She's like, what's a walkie-talkie? Oh, you know, my like, gosh. Like all these things that they're, she had no idea what things were. And because the kids use walkie talkies and you remember, I remember growing up and that's just something you would have, yeah. you know, and you, and you, they would go about 10 feet. Right. They, there's no way you're like the other side of the city going, Hey guys, you know, we're over here. And you it know. was all static all the time. Like they didn't right. have those ones that are silent and only you hear the person. Yeah. It was nothing like that. I remember having Star Trek walkie talkies, man. Dee, 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 dee. You could do the Morse code on it. And, oh, yeah, uh, they could all do Morse code, even though <coughs> all of us would be, like, looking at that stupid little cheat sheet, A. Yes! Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and, like, and you're on the other side going, I have no idea what he's typing. <laughs> you just start beeping back at the other person. Yeah, I'll beep you too, beep, beep. Yep. Yeah. Or if someone's hiding in bushes with the walkie-talkie, you hit that to, like, blow their cover. Because we used to, I know this sounds weird, today, like, we survived the 70s and 80s, but we used to, like, steal our brother's BB guns and pellet guns and run around the neighborhood in camo, hide in bushes, and shoot each other. Like, it's oh. amazing we all have eyes. You, you'd, and be, so, you'd be shot today by a cop if you did that. Like, right. Seriously, you'd, you'd just be shot today if, if you did that. I, I'm not even exaggerating. We had ninja climbing claws. We had grappling hooks. I, we lived in an apartment con We would literally... We would go up to like apartment number four, go up the stairs, hop over the balcony, run around on roofs, hop from one roof to the other. We do. We've got guns. We're running on people's roofs. We're climbing people's chimneys with grappling hooks. Dude, it was it was a good time to be a kid. That's all I can tell you. You know, I and I remember getting in trouble because sometimes we'd shoot other kids in the neighborhood who didn't have guns. And then their dad would come over to your house and be like, hey, you shot my kid, you know, where's your dad? Where's your mom? You know, and you remember that then, was back when you would tell your kids come in when the street lights turn on. Like that was that was how they called you. It wasn't like they, you know, call your cell phone or whatever. It was just, hey, when the street lights come on, it's time to come back home. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom would stand at the door like Charlie Bucket's mom and sing solos, you know. I don't know who Charlie Bucket is, but it sounds great. Willy Wonka. Remember yeah. that when he's going down the cobblestone that, road? That was just a freaky movie, man. Oh, I, the the first... <laughs> oh, that did not work for me at all. <clears throat> not at all. It It is kind of weird, you know? And, and if you ever read the book, it's as twisted as the remake. That's what Tim Burton based it on. It's twisted. Raul Dahl was a twisted dude. Like, in a good way, though. He was kind of like the writer who... Um, he wrote all the things like eating your boogers and picking them, you know, or picking your boogers and eating them. I guess you do it in reverse order. But he he <laughs> he was he wrote all that kind of stuff, and you know, he got away with it. I think this is proof that morning podcast not necessarily better than afternoon podcast. I think you're right. We we were killing ourselves on the last afternoon podcast. Oh, yeah, so, you know, and it always comes back to: Are we having a good time? If the listeners have a good time, that's good for them. But is well, it? I, are we having a good time? But I have to say something about my ring, and and it 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 it's a two in one ring, Pete. 
the outer shell, because there's two rings and they make one together, almost like the mighty robot Voltron, but it's, it's Cringer and Battle Cat. You know, what's rad to me is like, I don't wear things unless they have significance. And, um, I've had to stop wearing this ring because it has a spike that keeps stabbing my children. It took Eden scab off the other day when I was just briskly walking past her. And, uh, he's got, he's got that spike that comes out of his helmet and it's on my ring. And so I took her scab off. I felt really bad. So I stopped wearing it. There's a two in one ring where it's cringer on one ring. And then you put the other ring over top of it and it makes his, his battle armor. And for me, the meaning is I'm equal parts cringer and battle cat. It just, just kind of like Paul, where at the end of every verse or every epistle, he's like, Hey, and pray for me for boldness. Cause he's like, Paul, you don't need that. Like you're super bold. And he's like, no, I'm not really, you know, pray for me. Cause that boldness comes from the Holy spirit. And that's when I need to do what I do. So I love that ring, but I just can't wear it because it hurts my kids. Well, that's a good reason to not wear it then. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad that you, you acknowledge that and then act accordingly. It sits in this cool little like gentleman's box I have in my, in my, uh, my bureau, as we would say in Britain, um, since we're on British words today, British vocabulary words. And it sits in there and now it just grins at me like, dude, you could rock this. Yeah. So don't call CPS on me. That's all I'm saying. Well, no promises. <laughs> so, hey, should we get into our topic today? Because this is a big topic. I, if you think it's a big topic, I think it's going to take like five, ten minutes. I think this is going to be a short podcast. <laughs> I think you want it, dude. You're like, hey, pancakes are calling. The <laughs> <laughs> family's here. <laughs> Come on, IHOP. No, 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 dude. I do uh, right now. I I'm trying to do the intermittent fasting. Yeah, dude. I'm doing that as well, man. So so out of, before we get out of smack and into the topic, so like what's on the menu today? Because I, I, I actually I'm, really love this topic. I, I'm i actually not 100% sure because I'm not sure if I'm going to do a free day today or if I'm going to save my free day for tomorrow because uh, I'm, I'm trying to do a 24 to 36 hour fast after my free day. And so nice. I'm not sure, do I want to fast tomorrow or do I want to fast Sunday? And I can tell you guys that because I'm not doing it for spiritual reasons, which is not to say I can't utilize it for that, but uh, uh, doing it more for, for health doing reasons. Doing it for health reasons, yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny, dude, because when you do it, you do gain a mental and spiritual. So you and I were Oh, dude, you totally, it's so crazy how much clarity you gain when you do a fast. And I'm like, no yeah. wonder God said, hey, you really want to connect with me? Prayer and fasting. Right. And I'm right. like, I get it now. I get it. Absolutely. You, um, you know, it's funny because at the, at the beginning of every year, I used to do a three day fast. And see, that's it, amazing to me because I've, I like in the last, uh, two weeks, I've done two 24 hour fasts. One of them went 28. I was trying to do 36 and just couldn't do it, man. I just, you know, and then I realized it's a mental game. So, I would is, love but, to hear how you do three days. Like, is so it just you go you. into it going, I'm doing this? And because basically by day two is when yeah. day two is the worst. I mean, it just. Well, so I, I didn't do. So I would do juice. It would be juice fast. So there would be some electrolyte. Sure. I get yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so I would do that. But by past the like 36 hour mark, you don't even you're good then. You know, like there's, there's, See, I, I think it depends that, on the person because what I've heard 
from most people is they go the second day is the hardest. And then right. once you make it through the second day, like basically, you know, 42 to 48 hours, right. then you're right. golden. You, you can go you, pretty much on your last you day. Like this, I remember every year feeling like this. By the last day, I remember thinking, I'm sad to leave this because I'm actually, yeah, you feel like you crossed a threshold and you're sad it's over. Like I was disappointed to eat food every time. But I was like, well, I'm only doing a three day food or three day fast, you know? Like you're kind of disappointed. Like, do I have to? You know, like I don't really want to stop. Like, because as you said, you hit a certain stride. And I used to, um, so a lot of you guys don't know this. Um, those of you that, um, some of you would guys, some of you guys would know a book called Reese Howell's Intercessor that is kind of like a stalwart of, of prayer. Um, guy was a total prayer warrior and amazing, amazing things happen. But of course we're talking about whales, land of revivals. And, um, so I, I used to teach at the school that he founded. And, um, that was where I was teaching like old Testament and stuff. And, um, what was amazing was, um, so someone's calling me. Um, what was amazing was I, now I have my Apple watch. Yeah. No. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah. It was that dude. He, he was like, you were talking about me. I had a strange sensation to call you. No, but like they were highly prophetic. And I remember, um, being at that school and the guy who was the president of the seminary, he, um, he would, he f- was fasting all the time. Now, dude was skinny as a rail, but he was a massive prayer warrior and he just, he would just spend long times in prayer. It was really inspiring. And he was, he was really neat. Like he was one of those guys you meet and you're like, you're a pretty cool dude. You know, like he, and he was single, like he had set himself aside in his mm-hmm. life. Like, like yeah. I'm just set aside. For the Lord. That's all I want to do. I want to pray. I want to seek the kingdom. I want to raise up this next generation of leaders. And it was, it was pretty special, man. I, I, you don't often meet guys like that, but he was, he was kind of like that guy, Simeon in, in the new Testament, you know? So, but you know what the longest fast on record is? Huh? 382 days. I was going to say, I would have thought it was like a hundred. Yeah, no, it was 382. The guy started out at like 400, 410, something like that. Wow. And um, he ended up at 180. And all he did was, I mean, it was all under doctor's care. Like, guys, don't <laughs> do not do a 382-day fast. Uh, for most of our church planners, that'd be called starvation. Uh, not, not the same thing, but um, well, he did Well, I it, remember it being on that. Care. Yeah, I remember being on the missionary diet. There, there was there was a lot of starvation going on when, right. when I first and hit that's the mission different. field. Like that's <laughs> starvation is different than fasting. Fasting is done by choice. You know you have food available to you. You're choosing not I, to do it. For like a year straight, almost probably a year and a half, Andrew and I we had like four grocery items. Um, we had beans, potatoes, eggs, and bread. Now, the, that was not a help. It was just, that was the stuff that was really cheap that yep. would fill you. And, and that's what we ate. And literally, um, I, I don't even, I, like, I know you guys probably don't believe this, but that's pretty much all we ate. We would have little treats, like once a week we'd have something else. Um, there was a two for one for five pounds at this pub called Weatherspoons. And we would go there. And it, that was the fighting pub. That was the pub that was like, kind of like it would be like the equivalent of a Denny's 
Um, and it was a chain of them. They had really cheap, <laughs> you didn't, you never asked what was in this hamburger or what, what was this made out of, but you would go in there and you get a two for fiver and you could get a pint with it. So we usually get shandy cause I wasn't a big drinker. And, uh, but man, I'm telling you, that was like our treat once a week. And I mentioned this on my other podcast, Ministry Ninja. See what I did there? And, um, I mentioned this to Barry Witherspoons and he just goes, Oh, Witherspoons, no. <laughs> But that was heaven to us, man. But I came back off the mission field and people were like, you know, like the first year, people were like, oh my gosh, what'd you do? You know, like, you look so good. It was Orange County, you know. And I was like, I I just don't eat. <laughs> and they're like, ah, no, no, really, what do you do? And I'm like, no, I don't eat. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, I get it. I get it. And it's it's actually I know you say it in jest, but it's sad to me because uh, we have money like Orange County has money. Right. And yet we let our missionaries go hungry. Right. Right. Like, you know, there's a difference between fasting and starvation. Like I was saying, you know, there's there's a difference. Well, I got to I got to tell you, I'm glad because like for me. It's amazing to me, like the more I go on and the more I'm reading the scripture, like when Paul goes, I know what it is to be, to be hungry. I know what it is to be in want, like, thank God I've never, never been naked. <laughs> I mean, I would love to, to have naked Sundays. I mean, I'm just teasing. Please, I actually you know, shower with my clothes on, so I'm never <laughs> naked. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's shameful. Um, but, <laughs> but. You know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, like the more I go on, I'm like, that was a good experience. That was good for me. I mean, you know, when Paul says, I know that, that's like a badge of honor for him, you know, where he's like, look, I, I did this for the gospel. And I think to a certain degree, um, you know, like, like I opened Reaching the Unreached, you know, cha-ching, where I'm like, hey, man, I, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, you know, like I've got a scar over my left eye, you know, taking a beat down. You know, and uh, he didn't beat me up because I was sharing the gospel with him. But my approach to him was on behalf of the gospel, you know, the way I handled it. So, you know, yeah, on my on my way into church one Sunday morning. I so. think we'll probably do a, a a health summit for pastors. That's like, not like we're talking a about. With our, yeah, like we're talking about with our Biva one. Just from the people that I've been talking to, I'm like, man, you know what? I'd love to bring this to our pastors that we work with i know some people that would come running for that like like if if they were if they could contribute to it you know so yeah so like you know we'll, we'll talk about that later but that's not a bad little idea because i i don't know if you and i talked i think we mentioned on our other podcast that wesley was like hey this is huge health is <laughs> yeah is he huge. has ibs don't you remember <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> So, hey, let's get into our topic. Let's talk. I, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Great, Scott! It's time for this week's topic! <laughs> let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I wonder if we played that every week, if people would know. <laughs> so, um, so you know, real quick, just an aside, um, useless uh, repository of useless uh, information. I did not say suppository. I said repository. But, you know, um, Eric Stoltz, you know that he was originally cast as Marty McFly, right? And uh, he, he was fired 
partway through the filming. Like they, they had done like half the movie. Um, and, and they had to refilm all those shots. I watched an interview with, uh, Biff Tannen and Doc Brown and, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And they, they both thought they were going to get fired the whole time. Cause I mean, when you fire your lead guy, you know, it's kind of a, so it's like a little aside there. So you could have been the next Doc Brown. I'm just saying. Oh, I was like, where is this going? At first, I was like, okay, he's going. No, what? What? Where, where did we just turn on this? I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I was thrown off. I've only had two cups of coffee. Mm. I got a little bit of fuzzy head going on. So we'll see what happens here. So, hey, uh, real quick, just a, a, a you know, little background. Unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you would know that... Recently, we had um, Josh Harris, and I, I want to preface this by saying we're not going to attack him at all. Um, I, I really have no desire to attack. Um, I've read things on the Internet because, you know, obviously all of you know that um, Josh Harris, you know, shared that he had left the faith. And, of course, the Internet was quiet about it and kind and you know offered a, a helping hand as usual brother if you need to talk we're here um but you know it, it, what what happened was josh harris first and if you don't know who that is he about 20 something years ago 22 years ago he wrote a book called i kiss dating goodbye he came from the, the homeschool movement was kind of a hero in homeschooling his book because of that really took like wildfire and he started kind of like the courtship you don't date you court biblical courting it's since been called the purity movement although i don't i don't know if i agree with that um the purity movement was bigger it also started earlier not to say that he wasn't a voice in it but i'm i'm watching articles say um he started it elizabeth elliott actually with passion and purity was probably the first um, advocate of, of not dating, um, you know, not kissing, you know, barely holding hands, that kind of thing. And oops, I lost. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, I read passion purity. I do think to a certain degree, it jacked me up, took away some of the magic of romance that should be there. But at the same time, I made it to the altar of virgin and so did my wife. And so who's to say that it was good, bad, or ugly? We, we kind of joke around and say, gosh, we, we were dealing with enough temptation. It wasn't like we were temptation free or didn't maybe, uh, you know, have some, some hot steamy makeout sessions. There were, but it, it, you know, it was kind of like we were really trying to honor God in our dating relationship. And I was in the ministry. I remember one night, um, we, <laughs> I stayed out talking all night with Andrea. And somebody was like, hey, man, I, I, I saw, you know, your car and her car in the same spot. And I said, did you see us sitting on the curb talking? Because that's where we were all night. And they're like, no, I didn't see that. And I go, you're probably too busy looking at our cars and looking in the windows to see if, if you could catch it. But I was like, we were sitting out on the curb all night just talking. And, you know, and, and at that time, the, the person was like, hey, man, you know, you, uh, you got to, you got to be above reproach. And they were a friend. They were trying to help me out. I, I, I get it. They weren't trying to be a jerk. Um, not everybody who rebukes you, by the way, is a jerk. Sometimes you need that. And they were trying to be cool. But, you know, I, I would I would say looking back, uh, I never read Josh Harris's stuff. Never, never got um, really deeply embedded in anything he did. Have never literally 
uh, read a thing. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon. So I really don't know him. I'm not familiar with him. So I, I can't pretend to know what's going on, but I have a few guesses, but you know, we'll, we'll see how far we get here. But needless to say, he first announced that he would be splitting up with his wife on Twitter. The tweet came out. It said, please respect our privacy. This is not an easy decision, but we feel it's the right one. And of course, when you read that, <clears throat> when somebody says respect our privacy, there's something painful underneath that they don't want to talk about. And so I was kind of like, all right. Well, well, even if they don't say it, you go through a divorce. I don't care how much you hate the other person. It's painful. Like, oh gosh, yeah. Don't don't ever try and convince me that somehow, oh, this was mutual. There's pain. There's, you know, there's had pain. five, and I've had at least six, seven divorces. In you and I have experience. almost divorced like three or four times on this podcast. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, Oklahoma. But, you know, the uh, <laughs> people have no idea what that means. That's our, that's safe, our safe word. word. <laughs> so, the so, fact that we have a safe word is hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because, you know, like uh, Pete and I both on our on our first marriage, but I get it. Like 22 years, man. That's I almost spit now. out my coffee. We're on our first as if we've got, you know, a plan two or three marriages <laughs> yeah, on the line. Yeah. Well, you know, knock out at least a couple more. But, you know, I, I don't know if you ever have that conversation with Jamie. Like, hey, if you die, you know. Oh, uh, I always we, we tell are. her I'm on the hunt for the next ex-Mrs. Mitchell. <laughs> Behave yourself, Mitchell. Sorry. Isn't that a Jurassic Park line? Isn't that what Jeff That's Goldblum? Rad. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, you know, it, it, it's funny because, um, you know, as you look at that, like, no, like just the fact that his marriage split up, I would have thought people, I guess the irony no. for people is that it was like his dating goodbye. But yeah. again, you know, like, like seriously though, it's marriage is hard. Like, you know, have some compassion. Like we don't know what these two have gone through. You know, this guy's in a glass bowl. Um, Celebrityism and leadership do not go well together. Um, it is a recipe for disaster. And I think very few people can handle it. Whit Whitfield said it almost destroyed him. Spurgeon said the same. Wesley didn't give a rip what anyone thought, so he was okay. But, you know, m most, most people don't handle that well. And it, it, this poor kid, man, from the time he was extremely young, he became a national spokesman and celebrity. Before he really had the equipment and maturity to deal with it, this guy was in the limelight. And it, for me, when I first heard that, like, I just thought, yeah, I remember that guy being so young. And, and people back then were going, dude, he hasn't even gotten through puberty yet. Like, why should I listen to him about love, life, and, and marriage, you know? And, and that, that was kind of a, a, a bit of a, a, you know, a backlash that happened back then. So for me, I felt like, oh, you know, that's, to me, originally when I heard, I just thought, yeah, I'm not surprised, you know, that's, that's tough. But it, I wasn't mad at him, you know, it, it was kind of like, I, I guess people just feel, oh, the irony, you know, they're mad because maybe they read his books or they, they listened to it. And so then they're, they're upset. But here's a guy who wanted to help others. And so he's, he gave a huge chunk of his life to helping others trying to do the right thing. He since apologized for his writings, which I find, um, I get it on one hand, because your opinions change as you go and your understanding changes. So I get that. There's things I've written before, wondered, is that right? You know, do I, should should I amend that? But 
Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch that. And I, my heart goes out to him. That's the first part of the story. Well, let me just throw a, a couple of tidbits in here. Um, you, you just really reminded me <laughs> of our first 16 episodes of the podcast when we uh, quoted Michael Cheshire on like every episode. <laughs> Michael Cheshire. Oh, I forgot we used to do that. His, uh, his book, Why We Eat Our Own, <clears throat> I think really mm. hits on a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right here because he goes into uh the ted haggard deal um and i think i if i remember correctly you know michael's telling the story he was having lunch with a friend who was a non-christian and like there was a tv playing in whatever you know little eatery they were at you know like a sandwich shop type thing and the ted haggerty thing was on the tv and he's like yeah, what's something along the lines of what's wrong with you Christians? You eat your own. Like there's there's no forgiveness, there's no grace, right. there's no mercy, there's no this person's going through a bad time. Let's let's circle the wagons around them, you know, let's let's be a shield from everything and walk them through this because God hasn't abandoned them. Why are we right. abandoning them? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of what, um, I read a a Facebook post by Alex early and it was, it was a bit of a, uh, a slap in the face, but, but perhaps a good one. He said, (laughs) he goes, Hey, Jesus loves Josh Harris. Even if you don't. Oh, geez. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) And, and I just thought, you know, that's right. And, and it was kind of prophetic, you know, that step back and think about where Jesus is with Josh. Jesus loves Josh. That's, that's never changed, right? Um, would Jesus be pained by this? Yes. But, I, you know, God's big. He's got a thick skin. Um, there, there's nothing to say that I couldn't get in a place and you couldn't get in a place where we're so devastated and hurt by something that we just, I don't even know if there is a God. I mean, I've been mad at God. I, I've been furious with him at times. I've never gotten to the point where I think we, you're just a fantasy. I made you up. I've never gotten there yet. Um, but that's not to say that I couldn't. Now, I'll tell this to um, somebody who's close to me who's an atheist. And they, they're like, no, I don't accept that because faith is what faith is. Like, you can't have faith and then think that. And, and that's his take on it. But for me, um, the way that we're wired as human beings, um, so much of what we think is logical actually is emotional. Oh, yeah. And, and they've done studies on it. And, and I've noticed that-, that you were really emotional, too. So, <laughs> hey, I will not deny I am a sensitive dude. You know, um, but, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma, (laughs) I am emotional, but you know, it's funny because, and and Lloyd Jones said that once he said, you know, God calls sensitive men to the ministry. And then he, he added, he has to, and, 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 you know, you look at guys like Elijah and David, these were very sensitive men, um, yada, yada, Peter. Um, but you know, as, and even Paul, I mean, you see Paul in the, full kaleidoscope of emotions, you know, rage, anger, sadness, heartbreak, 
um, joy. You see all these things reflected in his writings. Paul was a hard on your sleeve kind of guy. And, and so, you know, when, when you're looking at this, they've done studies that show that when uh, you get brain damage and it affects the, the part that deals with emotion in your brain, that they can't make decisions anymore. Right. Like because so little, so much of what you decide, like what are you going to eat is what you're feeling. Right. Um, like just choosing a restaurant. They can't choose a restaurant. Simple things like that. And um, there's a book that uh, talks. I, there's a lot of books. Unfortunately, the one that I read um, had a, a little bit of a, a racy title. And it was F asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. So four letter word. But it, it doesn't print the word. But it was, you know, the F like right, you know, you're supposed yeah. to imagine. F your feelings. And it, and it has all this data. It was not a very well-written book. I, I don't recommend it. But he has all the data in there and the studies. And just wasn't very well put together. I always find that when someone has to put a cuss word in their title, they're going for the cheap win. I know this will sell books. But it wasn't very well-written, to be honest. Um, I read a lot of books on neuroscience. And it just, that was Do you really? A, I do. It's one of my favorite subjects. No kidding. I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated by that. Well, so... In the last few years, uh, working with Nam, uh, we took on a trainer named Charles Stone, and he's a pastor. He has um, he's written like three, four books on neuroscience. And... Jeez! No, gosh. Gosh, it. He yeah. hated yeah, you dumb. today. Oh yeah, my gosh! Gluten train. <laughs> Should he... see me shaking my fist, dude. That guy hated you today. Oh, what did he wait until he was literally by your window to lay on that horn? I'm outside. That's that's uh, the problem. And uh, I think it was that time I threw a hammer at, at the cab when he came wait, by. Wait, wait, wait. Here you go. Calm down, Italy, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, diddly. Gotta be nice. Hostility, diddly, diddly, diddly. Ah, hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Flanders completely uh, summarized my feelings. Flanders understands me. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so, so going back to that, um, you know, uh, one, one of the things that, you know, I think that we, we need to realize, so, that, so then a few days, part two, a few days later, um, Josh uh, came out and said, you know, and, and, and he's by a serene river, it's really pretty, I mean, there's like a crystal lake and beautiful mountains, snow, snow-capped peaks, and he tweets, I'm in a really good place right now. Which, if you've ever understood divorce, you know it's as traumatic as a death. That's what psychologists tell you, that it's that traumatic. So I'm thinking this is kind of like that post-stress euphor- euphoria. He's gotten over hum, and there's a momentary, but the depression will set in, trust me. Especially when, you, I mean, I've got a minor in psychology. I'm just telling you guys that it's there's going to be a crash. Um, but he says, I'm in a really good place, you know, I... I'm, I'm doing well and I don't wish that on him. It, it actually really saddens me, but I, I just know what's going to, what's going to come. And he says, you know, I'm in a really good place. And I, you know, um, uh, and then he, that's where he says, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. And, uh, I apologize for how I've treated the, the LGBT community, which I, you know, I actually think that's positive. You know, that's, that's always okay. You know, to if and I don't know how we treat them, so I don't ha- I don't take issue with that. You know, um, I, I I think the church needs to look at that for sure, and you know how, how we've treated them. Perhaps not the doctrine, but but perhaps our treatment. 
Um, but then uh, going on from Oh, there's that, no doubt the treatment. Because I, I remember the 80s and 90s well when the general philosophy was, see, that's why y'all are getting AIDS. Like, that's right. That was that's the right. mentality. It, no, no grace, none of that. Just... You're you're reaping what you sow. Like bring out right. every Bible verse that says it's going to come around and get you. That was well. And those of you that that have read Reaching the Unreached, I deal with this in a whole chapter. Cha-ching. Um, you know, and, and just talk about you know like that whole topic. You know, um, and and because that, that's very much something that we dealt with in Refuge Long Beach. It, it's written from a more of a practitioner standpoint. That hey, you know, like you can talk about people. But these are people that I would consider my friends and, you know, people that I'd minister to and, and come into situations and, and help them pick up the pieces. And, you know, so and, and, and I have a huge amount of compassion towards people from that from that, you know, cross section of, of society and, and and feel that that's where we ought to be, you know. And so so all that to say um, but you know, when he shared that, there was a huge backlash. And I mean, even as far as this morning, I woke up this morning, picked my phone up, immediately something popped up on, on Facebook about it. And somebody was, you know, there's always sin behind it. And, you know, and listen, I might have my thoughts, but maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I don't post things about a dude I don't know. You know, maybe I don't go on there and start affirming what has happened in his life. I don't understand half of what happens in my own life. You know, I, that's why I go to counseling, you know, um, on a regular basis, on a, on a monthly basis. Andrew and I will sit down and we'll have someone else go, hey, we don't figure this out. Can you help us figure it out? You know, and, and so for me to stand from afar, not knowing like there's so many different outcomes. He could be suffering mental illness. He, he could be. He himself could be gay and he's coming out of the closet. Um, and, and that these, all these things that he said are connected. Maybe not. Like we, we have no idea. I, it I could be I too would, that he is just deeply hurt. Maybe his spouse did something. I mean, correct. We literally have no idea. <clears throat> correct. And you know, in history, you know, we, we had Lonnie Frisbee who is still one of my heroes. And I know some people will be like, how in the world can you have Spurgeon as a hero and Lloyd Jones and then Lottie Frisbee as a hero? Well, keep in mind, you know, I, I'm, I'm Franken preacher. Like I'm a little bit of everybody. So it's like you, you've got, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a little charismatic and I'm a little this and little that. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that, um, Lottie Frisbee, uh, came to faith and he was the evangelist at, uh, he later developed into a more apostolic figure, and you can see that early on. But he was the guy that preceded Greg Laurie at Calvary Chapel. In fact, he handed his church over to, um, or his small group that it was like something like 800 people by the time he handed over to, to Greg Laurie, which was technically a church. Um, but he was the guy bringing everyone to faith. He started those Monday nights way back in the day, and Greg Laurie slotted in when he was done. But um, he went there, he built Calvary, he built Vineyard, and then he went on in the, in the uh, 80s to build the discipleship movement, which really centered in Florida. The funny thing is this dude was so anointed and so gifted at reaching lost people that he had built three massive movements, right? That's how apostolic he was. But um, in his uh, third 
uh, movement, which was uh, the discipleship movement, um, the, the head pastor slept with his wife, right? The, the act, because uh, Lonnie Frisbee, ironically, never was the central figure. He was always kind of in an APES model, functioning evangelistically and slightly apostolically, but he was never the lead guy. But he was the guy that God was using to build these, these movements, really, uh, around other people. And, and when he, he, before he came to faith, he, he was a homosexual. And uh, the, the story of his conversion is that he was naked up in the mountains with a bunch of people tripping on acid and said, I'm Jesus. And then, you know, all of a sudden God spoke to him. And he, because he opened up the Bible. And he read the Bible and he was like, oh, and God convicted him. He came back down from the, the, the mountains and was like, I need to keep reading this book. Became saved, started the Jesus movement in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. Like that was Lonnie Frisbee. Then came down to Newport Beach and was the catalyst for Calvary Chapel. So a lot of people don't realize that, that, that this was this dude. But when his wife cheated on, and I'm not suggesting at all this is Josh Harris's story. What I'm saying is we just don't know enough to really comment on it. Um, and, and so when, uh, when Lonnie Frisbee's wife cheated on him, he went into such a tailspin that he, um, he went back into the homosexual lifestyle. And, you know, that's, that's heartbreaking to me. It's literally heartbreaking to me that, that that was like a trigger and he just backslid, like he just gave up because in each of these movements, he was kind of stabbed in the back and dismissed and passed over and um, he he was he was more dangerous, I guess, you know, so leaders passed him over. But going back to this, I just don't really feel like I can speak to Josh Harris's situation. I don't know what's causing this, and I don't think anyone else does. And I think the church needs to sometimes just shut up and just say, Hey, Josh, it's really hard, man. Like, I'm sorry, are you okay? You know, like, like what we do psychologically is like when a, when a dog is sick or diseased, um, the other dogs turn on it because the way that animals, um, stop the spread of disease and the diseased animals, they kill it. And then that stops the spread. It kills the host and kills the organism. And on a, on a just purely instinct level and survival level, that's it, it's the only thing animals can do. Um, and so that's built into their instincts, but we do kind of much the same. Like you said, we eat our own. It's exactly where that term comes from. We eat our own. We, we literally attack the sick ones. And, you know, I would love that Josh Henry gets through this. Time. Tell that owl to shut up. That's a dove. Oh, <laughs> shoot the dove. Speak to, I can't speak to a dove that way on a Christian podcast, Pete. <laughs> cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm just saying, you know, the, the dove is a significant figure. We, we may be more blessed on this podcast than normal. I'm just saying. But, you know, it, I, I guess, I guess what I'm, what was I saying? Well, I'm going to chime in because I'm going to take that as a break. So, you know, I was thinking about this topic because you mentioned via text that this is what we were going to talk about, which is rare. Very rare. Very rare that we have any idea what we're going to talk about even more than five minutes before we actually start recording. So 
the thought that keeps coming back into my head, and I know I bring this up a lot on this podcast, but it's it's because it's where my mind goes. Um, I just kind of envision. Couldn't you see this every time Jesus looked at Judas over their entire time together? He just had compassion in his eyes. Like, can't you mm. just imagine that? Like, every time Jesus looks at Judas, he just looks at him with a c- compassion and love. Yes, yes. Knowing full well what this guy is going to do to him. Knowing yep. full well that, you know, even those, because they're, they're all guys, right? And they're all together. It's, you know. It, says, it that, says that he loved him till the last. That's powerful. He loved him till the last. And I, and I think about that, and I think, okay, you know, um, and, and, and again, this is something that I've brought up on the podcast before. One of those, those powerful thoughts in, in my mind is, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. And what that means to me is I, I think about that. I'm like, yeah, okay, there was literally no one good on the planet. Right. On the, no one. Like the law proved that no one could keep it. No one was good. Everyone fell short a hundred percent. And yet God still said, you know what? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to fix this. Right. And, and then every time Jesus looks at Judas, I can just imagine there's compassion in his eyes. And yet how do we look at people who do stuff like this? We, we look at them Stupid and we chain. eat them. Yeah. We look at them and we. This is a problem when we do our podcast super early. I can't wake everyone in the house. I got to be outside. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's funny is that train doesn't care that everyone's asleep in your house. They're like, hey. No, it sure doesn't. We don't sleep well unless there's a train honking its horn. Yeah. No kidding, right? We've gotten so used to it. But you know what I'm trying to say there. It's just we, we eat our own. And that's exactly not. That's exactly the opposite of what God did for us. Right. Right. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny because we, I, I think, like I said, like we're afraid. So we turn like a pack of wolves because we're we're afraid of the disease spreading to us. Like that's, that's oh, really what it is. Yeah, wow. that's what I'm saying about the wolves turn on each other, a dog's turn on each other, the sick one. Because psychologically, really deep down, we're afraid that this is going to affect us. It's going to hit and hurt us. Because, you know, it's kind of like everyone at the table with Judas. Like, is it I, Lord? You know, like, everybody has to ask this question. Nobody should be hearing this going, you know, oh, never me. You know, like Peter, well, we see what happened there, right? Um, Even if all fall away, I never will, Lord, you know. And um, everybody ought to be asking, like, Lord, is it me? Is it me? That scripture says, you know, if, if a man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. And and I've I've read and done enough study on apostasy, and I know we've talked about this because I think when the Bible needs to comfort you, it comforts you. Kind of like Spurgeon used to say that if if you're worried that you've fallen away from God, you haven't. <laughs> like he goes, you know, if you've worried you've you've fallen and come short of his grace, you haven't because you're worried about it. The person that's blasphemed the Holy Spirit or whatever, um, beyond forgiveness or whatever, those there are passages like that. I think we forget that. Um Spurgeon would would and, and other great preachers that understand the gospel would, would go on to say, No, you don't have to worry because a guy who's done that doesn't worry about it, you know? 
But at the same time, if you're looking at things like apostasy, um, there, there are plenty of scriptures. And I think this is kind of the, the elephant in the room that, that scares us is the fact that it's possible to apostatize. And I, I have friends that disagree with me on this. Like I come from a reform background. So, um, you know, I, I used to, to, to believe that apostasy was just for spurious converts. And if you don't know what spurious converts means, it means false converts. People that, you know, believe, like Jesus said, and they fall away quickly. Siri, the hardship. what spurious converts mean? Sorry. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so, hey, Siri. So, uh, remember we used to, when Siri yes. first came out, and we used to do that on the podcast just yes. to make everybody Siri freak out? Yep. So, uh, there goes your HomePod. But, you know, it, it it's funny because... You know, as you know, people would say, oh, no, you know, like, like Paul, when he's talking to the Galatians, he says, for I, I have my doubts concerning you. Like, he's not sure they were ever saved. Right. And he says, I, I marvel that you so quickly turn aside to a different gospel. So were they saved or weren't they saved? Paul doesn't know. And and I would say that when it comes to apostasy, um, it's kind of a mystery. Like we're warned about it. There seem to be passages that indicate that, that you know, they're falling, they're going out from us shows that they were never really one of us. Um, and people have taken that one verse. Well, John's talking about the people in Ephesus um, with the Gnostics. So I don't know if that's really an accurate, um, you know, an accurate uh, way to look at that passage that, that it applies to everybody in all time. Because the other passages seem to, to, to indicate that you could, uh, you could fall away. And so I, I don't, you know, like, like, for example, like he's got the passage in first Timothy that says, um, uh, fight the good fight, keep in faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. I could explain that away, but you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, you know, um, when he says, uh, take care of brethren in Hebrews, that they're not being any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. That sounds like a passage I shouldn't explain away. I should just let it be what it is. Um, and, and, and like I said, people want to define it. Oh, well, you know, that's just spoken to people that, no, it seems to indicate that you were there, but you aren't after. And so look, I, I, I know that's not going to sell books and make people happy, but I think the, the, um, the sheer amount, there's like 20 warnings of apostasy in the New Testament. And, uh, you know, and I just think, it's one of those things where um, I think for our own comfort, we want to um, we want to explain it away theologically so that we don't have to think about it. The problem is Josh Harris makes us think about it. Do you mean to tell me Josh Harris wasn't saved? You know, mm. do, 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 do you mean like, really? Is it that easy? Is it that easy just to suddenly write this entire man's life off? because he said he doesn't think he could call himself a Christian. He's being honest. He's looking at the doctrines and he's, he's not doing what so many people do where he's like, Hey, you know, I, 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 I think he's finding himself at odds with, with scripture going, I don't think I'm be a Christian because I don't believe that stuff anymore. Um, and I, and I think he's being honest. I wish more people were honest rather than just trying to redefine what Christianity is and call themselves that I actually respect the fact that Josh has the integrity to look at scripture, know what it says and say, by my own definition, a few years ago, I can no longer call myself that. Like that's integrity. And, 
And, and, and so I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm not excusing, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is that I think Josh Harris, the reason it gets that reaction is because we're scared and we don't know what to do with that because by all intents, it, it, it appears to be a guy that has the fruit of righteousness and has had the fruit of righteousness for years and has helped many people come to faith. And of course, there's tons of scriptures that say, many will come to me in that day. And it's too easy to lump him into that. And, and I think it does a disservice to him, but I think we do that for us, not for Josh. We do it because it makes us feel better. And maybe it's not that easy. Maybe it's not that simple. That's all I'm saying. Heavy, heavy subject. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> so uh, do you recant that it will only take five or ten minutes? <laughs> well, I so should, much more. I should know with you, it'll always take more than five or ten minutes. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? That is true. I would have just said, the- I would have just said, be cool. Be cool. Everyone just be cool. <laughs> Done. Calm down, ding, diddly, diddly, diddly. Yeah. They did their best. Shadly, diddly. Got to be nice. I diddly, diddly. You know, that, that, is, that is probably the title for today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Got to be imagine? nice. I diddly, diddly. But, uh, yeah, you know what, you guys, at the end of the day, I really do think that, you know, regardless of what, it, what anyone else is doing, we do have a duty and a responsibility to love Josh Harris and to not be afraid of it. You know, that if, yeah, you if, know it's, if it's genuine apostasy, then, it, then, then we also have a responsibility to treat him accordingly, still with love, still with grace, still with mercy, um, accepting what he said. But, you know what, he could just be going through a hard time. And may come back, and gosh, I hate to think that all the all the people that have just viciously torn into him because he he was honest and showed, hey, I I don't think I believe in God anymore. Oh, come on, you know we can do better, church. We can do better. If Christ hasn't stopped loving him, how are we gonna take that road? You know? Yeah, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, hey, in all this time trying not to apostatize, Pete. Um, <laughs> Simpleapostasy.com. <laughs> Simplify apostasy. Oh, man. So uh, I'm so glad if, he doesn't listen to the podcast. If, if you, well, and this is what I said, we're going to have a talk with respect for him because if I were close to that dude, like I don't know him, I'll never have access to him. I'm not in his circle. But because of that, maybe I should shut up, you know, trying to figure it out or put a judgment. I hope in no way today that we've, we've put a judgment. My hope is for the best. It's kind of like Paul says, right? Um, when he says to the, uh, is it the Romans or the Galatians? I can't remember what he says. Maybe it's Hebrews, but he says, but we hope better things concerning you. He lays down, I can't remember what passage that is, but he says, but we trust better things concerning you. Um, that, that, that's my hope is that this is not final for him. And that being the case, you know, it's kind of like when you have a, a a falling out with your spouse. You know, if you if you treated every argument like divorce, um, you wouldn't have a marriage very long. And I would just say, guys, just play it cool. You know, just play it cool right now. Like he shared something. It, it, it could be a, a, a cry for help. It could be that he just wants everybody's eyes off of him and, and doesn't want to be the poster boy anymore for all these different things. And just it's freedom for him to just you know but but i'll guarantee you there's more 
there's more to the story. And, you know, I, if I were close to him, I just hope I could be a guy that says, Hey, let's go out the coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to talk you back in. Like you can never talk someone, but let's talk. Let's at least keep this dialogue open. I'm, I'm going to be pulling for you, brother. I'm going to, I want you to be as honest as you possibly need to be. I want you to share everything. Don't hold back anything, man. And I will tell you this, no matter what you're feeling, what you're going through, God can take it. He can take whatever and he loves you dearly. And you can, you can even tell him, I don't believe in you and, but keep talking to him. And you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's the best we can do. We can't control what other people think, feel, or believe, but we can be there for them. And I would, I would love to think that, you know, one of these days when something like this happens, the church just says, you know what? It hurts because you definitely know that the apostles were hurt by Judas, but that ended in death. That was the sin leading to death. Um, but it, at the end of the day, I'm hoping that uh, he does have people around him that'll gather. So anyways, all that to say, Pete. So, uh, <laughs> so with all that resisting apostasy, Pete, uh, how does one get their uh, IRS uh, compliance and uh, finances and bookkeeping done? You know, I'm actually really grateful that you asked, Peyton, because uh, who I use is resistapostasy.com, uh, which is also simplifychurch.com. You know, it's good to know that they have an alias and another website. If you go to resistapostasy.com, you'll be taken straight to simplifychurch.com. And then they'll help you with all your bookkeeping and IRS compliance and even payroll service. They even have a VA system if you need a VA assistant. They will help you with all of that. And he may also help you resist apostasy. And I know we're going to get hate mail. <laughs> hey, you guys, don't be joking about that. Okay, we're done. And it goes to Pete at churchplannermag.com. And if it's your first time emailing me, just know it goes straight to the trash. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today on the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 